0: That takes my breath away. One city, the size of Oregon cubed. One city. This place He's prepared for us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, i like to ask that the things of earth would grow strangely dim in the light of Your glory and grace. I'd like to ask that you'd stir our hearts with fresh reminders that we weren't meant for a world of sin. We were meant for something better. Thank you for telling us in this book of Revelation how this story ends for your friends. And thank you that everybody here can be among your friends. Stir our imaginations Rebuke the power of the enemy to get in the way. Abide in us, Holy Spirit, for Jesus' sake. Amen. A young Christian opened up his Bible. He had just been newly converted and he was devouring it. He'd read the four gospels, he'd moved through the entire New Testament quickly. He was in the book of Revelation and he happened to be looking at the book of Revelation and he was seated on the ground with his legs crossed and his Bible open and two seminary students who saw him there approached him and perhaps they were thinking of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch when Philip said to the Ethiopian eunuch, did you um, know what you're reading? you remember that story in the Bible? And so they saw the young Christian there And Perhaps thinking that they might be able to um, enlighten him with some of the knowledge. They'd gathered from seminary. They said to the young man Are you understanding what you're reading and? He looked up at them for just a moment and then he looked back down at the book of Revelation and he turned the pages back to the beginning of the gospel of Matthew And he said I think so he said God becomes a baby And the baby wins. (laughs) The baby wins. The baby wins. I want you to practice saying four words with me. um, And then you're going to have an opportunity to use them at an appropriate time in the presentation. But we're going to practice them just now. The words are, Amen, come Lord Jesus. Just four words, Amen, come Lord Jesus. Jesus, are you ready to try it with me on three? One, two, three, amen, Amen. come, Lord Jesus. That wasn't too bad, wasn't too good either. (laughs) Think about what you just said, thinking about it, amen, come, Lord Jesus. Now having just thought about what you just said, let's try again, all right? One,
1: two, three. Amen. Come for Jesus.
0: There's hope for you. There'll be a time where you're going to want to say that. You might automatically know when it comes, but if you don't, I'll give you a little hint. Anyway, be prepared for it when it comes. Revelation 22. We're coming to the close of the book. Revelation 22, verses 1 to 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb right down the middle of the great streets of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, who certainly need healing. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face. His name will be on their foreheads. THERE WILL BE NO MORE NIGHT. THEY WILL NOT NEED THE LIGHT OF A LAMP OR THE LIGHT OF THE SUN. FOR THE LORD GOD WILL GIVE THEM LIGHT. AND THEY WILL reign FOREVER AND EVER AND EVER AND EVER. YOU GET THE IDEA. AND EVER. WHAT WILL IT BE LIKE? WE CAN TRY TO IMAGINE IT. BUT IT'S LIKE TRYING TO IMAGINE JUMPING OVER THE MOON. IT'S JUST OUT OF REACH. It's not really something that we can imagine. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says it this way. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind or imagination has even come close to conceiving what God has prepared for those who love him. A little girl was standing with her father on the outside of a city. They were away from the majority of the light pollution, and they were looking up at the night sky. It happened to be a clear night, and the stars were shining brilliantly like diamonds and black velvet. And the little girl was holding her father's hand, and as they looked up together, she suddenly said to her father, she said, Daddy, if this side of heaven is so beautiful, just imagine how good the other side must be. And that's a good question. Can we imagine how good the other side might be, must be? Human language, you've been told human language is inadequate to describe the reward of the righteous. No finite mind can comprehend the glory of the paradise of God. We can't even come close. The Bible calls it a country. We can get little hints here and there. We're told about a heavenly shepherd who leads his flock past fountains of living water. I just don't know what a fountain of living water would be. I've seen water shows. I've seen uh, orchestrated, choreographed with music and computer jets and so on. Amazing things happen with water. But God's not going to need to use all of those technologies. things. He's going to have water, living water. Imagine that. And a tree of life that yields its fruit every month, a different fruit every month. And these aren't grafted. This is just the way God's got it working. Imagine that. And it said that the leaves of the tree of life will be for the healing of the nations. And we agree, I think, that the nations could stand for some healing. There'll be ever-flowing streams, clear as crystal. And beside them, there'll be waving trees. I'm sure there'll be some palms. There'll be all kinds of other trees, too. And there'll be pathways. It's going to make the best arboretum you've ever walked through look like a Sahara desert in comparison or by contrast. And we're told that the mountains of God are going to rear their lofty summits. The mountains of God, I have a hunch, the mountains of God are going to dwarf Everest, and a dwarf. Everest will be a foothill compared to the mountains of God rearing their lofty summits. And on those peaceful plains, beside those still waters and those living streams, God's people who've been pilgrims for so long on planet Earth are going to finally find a home. Oh. And no bank's going to own a title to that thing, and there's no mortgage going to be due and it's going to be yours and it will have been custom built by the best builder in the universe for you with your name and we're told pain cannot exist there pain cannot even exist in the atmosphere of heaven if you've ever taken a candle and lit it and then put a mason jar over the top of it what happens to the flame it dies why because there's no longer enough oxygen to support that flame the flame cannot exist in the atmosphere inside that jar and pain cannot exist in the atmosphere of heaven There'll be no more tears, no funeral processions, no mourning, no death, no sorrow, no crying. No one will ever say, I'm not feeling so well. I don't feel so good today. My head hurts. I have an ache. No arthritis. No, no, on and on it goes. It's just going to be wonderful. But here's the best part as Margie inferred, we're going to get to see Jesus face to yes. face. Face to face. I can't wait to see him face to face. FACE TO FACE WITHOUT A DIMMING VEIL BETWEEN US AND WE WILL STAND IN HIS PRESENCE AND WE'LL BEHOLD THE GLORY OF HIS FACE AND HE'LL SMILE A SMILE THAT WILL JUST MELT OUR HEARTS AND HE'LL EMBRACE US, HE'LL GIVE US HUGS, HE'LL STRAIGHTEN OUR BACK, WE'LL GET A SPINE ADJUSTMENT LIKE YOU WOULDN'T BELIEVE, YOU KNOW, AND HE'LL SAY AS HE SQUEEZES US, I'M SO GLAD YOU'RE HERE, I AM SO GLAD YOU'RE HERE. We'll get to talk with holy angels. We'll get to socialize with the faithful ones from all the ages. So imagine, Margie asked the kids some of the people they'd like to talk with. I heard Goliath mentioned. Um, Not so sure, but anyway, you might have to go somewhere else to talk with him. but think about talking with Moses think about talking with Joash think about talking with David think about talking with Mary the mother of Jesus think about talking with Mary of Magdala think about yes, you pick your name think about you know there's gonna be a long line to spend time with Jesus and so while you're waiting your turn they call your name you pulled a number think of all the other people that you can have fun talking with and enjoy conversation with angels Angels, unfallen worlds. Oh my, on and on it goes. Immortal minds will be able to contemplate with never, uh, uh, just n- no, no dimming veil between. We'll be able to comp- comprehend and contemplate the glories of the universe. And we won't necessarily need any kind of a telescope. We'll be able to see things now with our eyes that we have to use mechanical devices to see. The wonders of creative power the mysteries of redeeming love and learning is not going to weary the mind. I know sometimes you spend time studying and, and, and studying can drain you just as, just as significantly as hard physical labor can drain you. You can, you can have poured yourself into studies to the point where you just feel exhausted. But studying and learning will not weary the mind. And we will find that we're going to be able to probe, I'm believing that God has just as much for us to see within as he has to see without. Ever thought about that? I have heard scientists suggest that the human race is smack dab in the middle of the very small and the very large. Back when I was a kid, and we lived um, not too far away from Disneyland, uh, we, went, we went on a ride called the Monsanto. Uh, some of you are old enough to remember it. I don't think they have it anymore. But uh, on the Monsanto, it sort of simulates that you are going into the bloodstream, and then you're going into atoms and subatomic particles, and you're starting to see things very, very small. And as you're going through this thing, you keep hearing this sound. It sounds almost like a, like a, um, a sonic boom, and it's steady, and it's, it just keeps booming. And you're wondering, what is that? Well, it's actually the heart beating, but you're so small that for you it sounds like a sonic boom as you're being carried through the bloodstream headed for the pump, headed for the heart, you know? And then all of a sudden, the little thing that you're in goes around backwards like this, and you look up, and there's a microscope, and some eye, human eye, is looking down at you, making you feel like you're about this big, right? But the thing about that that, I, that strikes me is that I believe we're going to be able to go in just like we're going to go out because the amazing things that God has made that are small are just as astounding as the ones that are large. And his signature is all over, both ends of the spectrum. And we're going to be able to explore. Oh, my. We're going to be able to explore and never weary, never tire. And there will still be new heights to surmount, new wonders to admire, new truths to comprehend, fresh treasures to marvel at. And unfettered by mortality, we will wing our flight through worlds afar. Oh, Think about it. Won't need any kind of oxygen mask. Won't need any kind of spaceship or rocket fuel. Probably be able to travel at the speed of thought, which is like way faster than the speed of light. And you won't have to worry about packing stuff and carrying suitcases. And you won't have to deal with TSA agents. It'll be so amazing. And with undimmed vision, we will gaze upon the glories of creation, suns stars, galaxies, and the years of eternity will roll, and they'll bring richer and still more glorious revelations of God and Jesus Christ. Eternity. Have you ever tried to wrap your mind around eternity? Eternity, that's a word. It's not a real big word, but it's a very big word, if you understand what I mean. Eternity, eternity. Someone tried to help me understand eternity one time. They said, imagine a bird carries a particle of sand from the Sahara Desert and flies to Mount Everest and then throws that little particle of sand from its beak against Mount Everest. And then imagine that the bird flies back to the Sahara, gets another grain of sand, comes back and throws it at Everest. They said, when the bird has finished moving the Sahara to the point that it completely covers, Everest, that would maybe be about one day in eternity, they said. That'd be about a day, about a day. Eternity. Try to wrap your mind around eternity. We can stretch our imaginations, but our finite senses are going to grow weary with the effort. It'll take all of eternity to unfold the glories and the treasures. I want to show you the little quotation Margie mentioned it earlier. Lead the children to think about the glories of the reward that awaits God's people. So this is almost like here's something you should do here's something you should do this is like telling the grown-ups lead the children to think about the glories of the reward that awaits God's people grown-ups lead the children to think more and more about heaven Lead them to imagine what heaven might be like, which is why all the questions that were being asked earlier to the kids, get them going, get them thinking about that. What will it be like? What will it be like? Cultivate their imaginative powers by picturing the splendor of the new earth and the city of God. And then, when they are charmed with the prospect, when they're going, oh, wow. Oh, someone else comes up with another idea, and all kids go, ooh, and someone else comes up with another idea, and people go, oh, my when they, when they are charmed with the prospect, then tell them it's going to be way better than that. Way more glorious than the brightest imagination can portray. So, we've been told to try to lead the kids to imagine what heaven could be like. And a writer by the name of C.S. Lewis endeavored to try and do that with children and some children's literature. And in one of his books, he has a group of children finally arriving in the new earth, the new heaven, the new heaven. And as they arrive, as these children arrive, the first thing that happens is they discover something that they had always wished they could do, but now they can do. They can run as fast as horses without getting tired. And Lewis suggests, if you could run as fast as horses without getting tired, you probably would never want to stop running. You would just have such a grand time running. And so they take off running. Oh, and not only do they not get tired, they don't get winded. And so they can carry on conversations as they run at the speed of horses. And so the kids start running. And as they're running and enjoying just the the, the, the thrill of the wind kind of blowing past their faces with the speed at which they're running, they come to a large cauldron of water it's just frothing and foaming it's it's bubbling it's boiling um and the reason it's there is because there's a waterfall that is so tall that they can hardly see the top of the waterfall from where they are and they come running up to the edge of that pool and they stop and then they look at each other and they say to each other could it be Could it be, might it be possible, and they plunge into the cauldron, just seething with rapids and waves and water, and they swim across the cauldron right to the base of the waterfall, and as they get to the base of the waterfall, they begin swimming up the waterfall. Up the waterfall. And as they swim up the waterfall, the waterfall cascades across their forehead and parts and rainbows begin to glow and shine in the mist that is parted above their heads. And they reach the top of the waterfall. When they get to the top, they crest the top. There's a gigantic river that's feeding this amazing waterfall. And then they begin swimming upstream faster than motorboats, faster than jet boats. And they're not getting tired. And they're talking. Uh, And there's a golden eagle that's flying above them. And the golden an eagle keeps shouting to them, further up, further in, there's more to discover. And they keep swimming, 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 and finally they come to a little kind of a beach, a sandy beach and they get off out of the water and they climb out onto the beach, kind of shake themselves off a little bit and then they see there's a valley, a beautiful valley, it looks like it's heading its way up through gorgeous uh, plants and flowers and trees and shrubs and, and tall grasses and they say, let's go and the voice says, further up, further in and so they start going up the valley. Well the valley is kind of gaining elevation as it goes higher and higher and higher and they keep going higher and higher and higher and finally they come up over a little plateau and there's a garden there's a garden wall all the way around it they know without even being told that on the inside is a glorious garden but they can't see inside because the wall's so high so they start going around the edge of the garden wall and they come to a gate and there's this great 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 big gate on hinges and they look at each other like do we dare should we even think of trying to get in what would happen is it okay would it be safe shall we and as they approach the gate suddenly the gate swings open on its hinges and a voice says further up and further in and so they enter the garden and as they enter the garden the loved ones that they have seen perish on planet earth come to greet them friends of Jesus come to greet them and there are handshakes and hugs and talk about family reunions and there are high fives and there's laughter and smiles and lingering embraces as the children see their parents who had died years before, of old age. And I imagine, in my own mind, I picture my father, my father, six foot two, 220 pounds. and when he died, he weighed about a 100 pounds. And I remember carrying my dad, my dad, who carried me on his shoulders, and I held him in my arms, and I set him in a hospital bed. And then I sat beside it and looked at what once was 220 pounds. And I can't wait to see him coming out of the garden at the age of 21, right? Forever 21, I think is what they call that. Yeah. And the kids see their loved ones and they're so excited. And Then they go in further into the garden because the voice is further up and further in and so they go further into this gorgeous Glorious garden, and then they discover something very amazing the farther into the garden They go the bigger the garden becomes It's astounding It's like going through the outer skin of an onion and finding that the inner onion is bigger than the outer skin It just keeps getting bigger the farther in they go And the kids are amazed, and they comment to each other about this this miraculous thing. And then one of the kids says this profound statement. They say, you know what? I remember a stable on planet Earth once that held something that was bigger than the universe in a manger. (laughs) Further up and further in, cries the voice. And so they start going up, up, up. Kind of a, a ridge, and as they're going up the ridge, steep ridge, these are the lofty mountains of God, lifting their their lofty summits against the sky. And as they go farther and farther up the ridge, they start getting to these terraced uh, like cliffs. But they find out that they can do something that they couldn't do on planet Earth. They can leap up from one one jutting cliff to another, jutting rock, and they can, without being tired, and they continue going up, up, up. And then as they get farther and farther up the ridge, they notice that this is actually a mountain peak that has all kinds of different ridges extending out like spokes on a wagon wheel and they see that on these other ridges there are other people who are going higher and higher and towards the top and they look towards the top and they see this glorious light, just this ray of glory. You could almost not look at it if you've been on planet earth, you couldn't have but now they could and in the glory of that light they think we must go further up and further in and they continue going and then all of a sudden as Lewis tells the story, all of a sudden their hearts stop And their bodies halt as they look. Because coming down the cliffs, leaping from one to another, coming down is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's coming towards them with his arms like this as he runs. And they can't believe it. And they stop. And they look at each other. And then their hearts sink because they say to each other, this has to be a dream. This can't be real. It can't be this good. We're going to wake up in just a minute, and it's just going to be a dream. And what a disappointment to wake up and discover it was only a dream. But as they're just saying that to them, to each other, Jesus reaches them, and they turn back and they look at him, and he gives them a great big hug, and he scoops them into his arms, and then they they, they voice their concern: "Are we dreaming? Are we dreaming?" And Jesus says, "No." No, you're not dreaming. He says, children, the term is over. The holidays have begun. The dream is ended. This is the morning. Oh, this is the morning. Then C.S. Lewis concludes that story by saying these words, which I'm going to read to you word for word. And as Jesus spoke these things, the things that began to happen after that were so great and so beautiful that I cannot even write them down. And so for us, this is the end of all the stories and we can most truly say that they all lived happily forever after but for them it was only the beginning of the real story all their life in this world and all their adventures had only been the cover and the title page now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has ever read but which goes on forever and ever and in which every chapter is always better than the one before it wow Try to imagine, we were told. Lewis takes a stab at it. And then what were we told to do? After taking a stab at it, we were told to, come, to observe, it's going to be way better than that. Mind, I have not seen nor mind conceived what God has waiting for us. Will you be there? Will I be there? You know what? You don't need to be uncertain about this. You can know if you're going to be there. Here's how. If you're seeking to become better friends with Jesus day by day, you're going to be there. He said eternal life is based on knowing him, John 17, 3. Are you seeking to get to know him day by day? Or do you just show up at church, sing a few songs, and then forget about him for the rest of the week? You know, it doesn't have to be that way. You can make him a priority every day, every morning. You can open your Bible and say, Jesus, I'm here to meet you again. Please show me glimpses of yourself that warm my heart melt my soul i want to know you better i want to love you more and as you seek to know him better day by day you are in a relationship with him you can say i have the son i have a friend i have the son of god as my friend and in 1 john 5 11 to 13 it says god has given us eternal life what kind of life is he talking about here what kind of life is he talking about here Oh, good, 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 good. I thought some of you had gone to sleep, and I, I, could, I could hear you breathing, but I was just a little bit puzzled. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in who? His son. Now, he who has the son. What did I just say a moment ago? It meant to have the son, to have a relationship with him, have a friendship with him. If I say to you, I have a friend, I have a boyfriend, I have a girlfriend, I have a husband, I have a wife, you understand that what I mean is I have a relationship with him. And if you understand I have a relationship with him, then you understand something else. You understand that means that we spend time together. We hang out. We talk. We listen. We go places. We do things. We share. So, can you know if you've talked to Jesus today? Yes. Can you know if you've spent a little time getting to know him better? Yes. Can you know if you've talked to anybody else about what a friend you have in Jesus? Yes. Well, if you can know all these things, you can know you have the son. Yeah. And if you have the son, it said you have what kind of life. Eternal life. This is not something you have to be uncertain about. You can know this. You can. Really, you can. He's given us eternal life. Oh, and then it goes on to say, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. Huh. I think this is some of the best news we've never heard. I'm going to tell you something you won't like, but this is an absolute truth. The majority of people in my denomination have no assurance of salvation the majority. You ask a typical member of my denomination, are you saved? And they will say something like this, I want to be, I hope to be, I'm praying that that'll work out. We can't really know for sure until it actually comes to that point, you know. um, know, You'd be amazed. And yet we have a song in our hymnal called Blessed Assurance. And we sing it. And then someone says, are you saved? It really puzzles me because if you ask a Christian who's not a member of my denomination, because don't forget, Not all Seventh-day Adventists are Christians, and not all Christians are Seventh-day Adventists. So if you ask a Christian who's not a Seventh-day Adventist, are you saved, you're likely going to hear something like this, yes, praise Jesus, something like that. Ask one of my members... Are you saying, well, I hope to be, I want to be. You know, we're not supposed to say that. We're not supposed to actually claim that. Well, who, where did you get that idea? There's scripture. He says, I wrote this to you so that you might know you have eternal life. Looks pretty clear from the Bible that it's possible to know. And be a Seventh-day Adventist at the same time. It's amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. Yeah. And here's something else. Jesus wants you there. Jesus wants you there. In John 17, 24, he said, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. I want them here. I want them here. Do I really want to go to heaven? Do you really want to go to heaven? Or are we just interested in being done with a world of sin and pain and heartaches? See, That's a question we may want to ask ourselves. Am I eager for him to return? Or am I just eager for trouble to be gone? What's the thing that's motivating me? Where is my interest coming from? And there's a way you can know the truth about that answer for you. Here's the way you know. Ask yourself this question. In light of my previous question, do I really want to go to heaven with Jesus? Ask yourself, how eagerly do I look forward to spending quiet time alone with Him morning by morning? Ask yourself that question. Because if I'm serious about wanting to go to heaven, I'm going to be serious about spending time with him now. So see, I'm fooling myself if I think I want to go to heaven, but I have little or no time for him day by day. If the only time he gets from me is an hour and a half on Saturdays, or if I'm a Sunday Christian, on Sundays. That's all the time he gets from me. If he gets hardly any other time, except maybe I say prayer before I eat food. Well then, guess what? I am not really wanting to go to heaven because heaven is about Jesus and spending time with Jesus begins now so why would I want to spend time with someone for eternity that I'm not even comfortable finding time for as a priority now I wouldn't I'd be miserable in heaven if I had to spend time with him when I hadn't enjoyed his company here right Desire of Ages page 331 says when we respond to Jesus invitation come learn of me come spend time with me let's talk LET'S BECOME BETTER ACQUAINTED. WHEN WE RESPOND TO THAT INVITATION, WE BEGIN THE LIFE ETERNAL. AS THROUGH JESUS WE ENTER INTO REST, HEAVEN BEGINS HERE. IT STARTS NOW. YOU WANT TO GO TO HEAVEN? YOU CAN GO TO HEAVEN TODAY. YOU WANT TO GO TO HEAVEN TOMORROW? YOU CAN GO TO HEAVEN TOMORROW. GO TO JESUS. SPEND TIME WITH JESUS. HEAVEN'S ABOUT JESUS. IT'S ABOUT SPENDING TIME WITH HIM FOREVER. Well, I'm going to share a little paragraph with you. It might be a little longer than maybe I should take the time to read, but I just love this paragraph. So bear with me because it's good stuff. We are almost home. We will soon hear the voice of the Savior richer than any music saying, your warfare is finished. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Oh, blessed, blessed benediction. I want to hear it from his immortal lips. I want to see the king and his beauty. I want to see the whole heavenly host casting their glittering crowns at the feet of Jesus. And then, and then, touching their golden harps, filling all heaven with songs to the Lamb. I want to praise him. I want to honor him that sits on the throne. I want my voice to echo and re-echo through the courts of heaven. See, it is not life forever. It is not love, joy, peace, rest, freedom from pain, or the beauties and wonders of the universe. That's not the real draw. That's not the real draw. It's Him. Him, with a capital H. Him. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 says, So we will always be with the Lord. That's what makes heaven heaven. And without Jesus, it wouldn't be heaven. Heaven is all about Him. A little street urchin in London was asked one time, little girl, they said to her, where is heaven? And this little street urchin looked at them for a moment and then she said these words. She said, wherever Jesus is, that's heaven. And she got it. She got it. Heaven's going to be about Jesus. And I can't wait to watch him. I can't wait to watch him up front and personal i can't wait to watch him with my own eyes i'm even okay if i don't get to get very close except every once in a while i'm okay as long as i can watch him just watch him i want to watch him do math problems with my formerly learning disabled sister who can't even understand why two plus two is four and i want to watch him saying to her lynn What's the square root of 793? And she goes, bam! And Jesus says, way to go, Lynn, way to go. Every once in a while, my sister, my learning disabled sister, will make a couple of things come together mathematically, and she's always astounded. And she'll say, I got it, Lee, I got it, you know? I got it, I did it. She's so excited. And Jesus is going to say, you got it, Lynn. You got it. You did it. I want to watch Jesus dancing. Yes, I said dancing with Johnny Erickson. Johnny Erickson quadriplegic i can just see jesus dancing with her on some ballroom floor and saying to her johnny you have the moves your feet are astounding i can't believe how smooth you flow across the floor i want to watch jesus go jogging with a friend of mine named richard up in walla walla who spent his entire life in a wheelchair yeah and i'm going to watch he and jesus jog around the lake oh there goes richard and jesus I want to watch Jesus pushing formerly homeless children on a swing set in their own backyard. I want to watch Jesus watching Helen Keller painting seascapes. Yep, Helen Keller, who spent her life blind. I want to watch Jesus looking over her shoulder as she paints. And he says, oh, Helen, you captured it. Huh. I feel like if I touch that seascape, I'm going to get my hand wet. Jesus looking at what Helen Keller does now. I want to watch Jesus traveling freely through space with former slaves and prisoners. I want to watch Jesus joining a bunch of former orphans and singing happy birthday to a guy named George Mueller. I want to watch Jesus looking into the beautiful face of a little girl that my wife had as a student many years ago. A little girl who was born because of the drugs her mother was taking when she was carrying the child, was born with almost not having a face. It was so disfigured. And she had dozens and dozens of surgeries to try to reconstruct something that wouldn't make you look at her and then want to turn away. And I can't wait to see Jesus cupping her cheeks with his hands and saying, Lorena, I can't take my eyes off of you. You look so beautiful. I want to watch Jesus moving among the people as one desiring their good. I want to watch Jesus talking with my father-in-law who was an only child about what it feels like to be lonely because Jesus knows He knows about that. I want to watch Jesus recalling memories with former Alzheimer's patients. You remember when? Oh, yeah. No kidding. Oh, do you remember this? Yeah. Oh, I want to watch that. I want to watch Jesus singing praises to God with some deaf friends of mine. The last church we were at, there were some precious people who couldn't speak and they couldn't hear, but they could read. And as the words were on the screen of the praise and worship songs, they would sing with their fingers. And I want to watch Jesus singing praises with them, full volume. I want to watch Jesus. I want to watch Jesus counting to 95 with a guy named Martin Luther. I want to watch Jesus showing Martin Luther the mighty fortress, which is our God. I want to watch Jesus shaking hands with a fellow who works at Walmart in our town, a man who was born without arms. All he has is hands sticking out of his shoulders. But he works at Walmart. And I want to watch Jesus hugging that guy as the guy hugs him back with arms. I want to watch that. I want to watch Jesus walking the streets with Mother Teresa. I wanna watch Jesus embracing some former lepers and not worrying about contagion. I wanna watch Jesus talking with my grandmother about, and who had a double mastectomy about what it's like to live with scars. I wanna watch Jesus sharing a cup of water from the river of life with former AIDS victims. Drinking from the same cup. Not concerned. I want to watch Jesus braiding my mother-in-law's hair, which she lost three times during chemotherapy. I want to watch Jesus giving high fives to some friends of mine who had cerebral palsy and couldn't seem to make their arms work the way they wanted. But I want to watch Jesus and them doing high fives, maybe high tens, you know? I want to watch Jesus doing needlepoint with some ladies who had Parkinson's disease. I want to watch Jesus singing duets with Fanny Crosby and telling her the story of Jesus. Tell me the story of Jesus. I want to watch Jesus singing face-to-face with my Redeemer, with Fanny Crosby, as they look at each other. You've seen people on, on celebrity uh, concerts where the two Man and woman, they sing kind of like to each other. I want to watch Jesus singing, looking at Fanny Crosby as they sing face to face with my redeemer i want to watch jesus talking with abraham lincoln about some things he thought would be little noted nor long remembered i want to watch jesus eating peaches and pineapple and watermelon with former diabetics i want to watch jesus building a sandcastle with some kids from south africa shanty towns i want to watch jesus doing power aerobics with some former grandpas and grandmas Me included. I want to watch Jesus talking with my dad about all the traveling they did together with his one-string violin. I want to watch Jesus attend your family reunion. And I want to be just a little bug on the wall over in the corner as I watch your family reunion with Jesus as the guest of honor and the festivities just seem to get better and better. I just want to watch Jesus. It's going to be so great to watch him. And then some century or maybe some millennia, they'll come and knock at my door. And I'll open the door, and it'll be Jesus. And I will hear him say, Lee, Lee, would you have time to go for a walk with me? And I will say, Jesus, because of you, I have all the time in the world. And we'll go walking for a long time in the same direction. See, as Lewis says, right now, we're on the wrong side of the door. But all the leaves of the New Testament are rustling with the rumor, it will not always be so. No, one day the term will be over and the holidays will begin. One day. And so, my final scripture comes from the book of Revelation. Revelation 22, the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The stuff we're talking about, this is going to happen. This is not a cunningly devised fable. This is really going to happen. Behold, I am coming soon. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I am the morning star. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come. Jesus, listen to the last trump.
1: The doctor called and told them, you know it won't be long. You better come and hurry, because soon he will be gone. So with eyes that were glistening, soon they were listening to his last words. He said, you know I love you. You're my family, you're my friends. And I love someone else who's promised this is not the end Cause no matter what beset me He's gonna come and get me At the last trump At the last trump When the angels fill the skies At the last trump When my Redeemer's drawing nigh Going to a land fair don't you want to be there at the last trump? the apostle paul when he spoke of death said don't you be naive we have a hope in jesus christ don't grieve like others grieve remember when you're mourning there'll be joy in the morning at the last trump. skies at the last trump when my is drawing nigh going to a land fair don't you want to be there at the last trump no more diagnosis x-ray chemo wheelchairs lab tests morphine needles pain and suffering have to go when we hear that trumpet blow When the angels fill the skies at the last drum When my Redeemer is drawing nigh Go to a land fair Don't you want to be there at the last drum When the angels fill the skies at the last drum When my Redeemer is drawing nigh Go to a land fair Don't you want to be there at the last drum? At the last drum?
0: Thank you that you're coming back, Lord Jesus. Thank you that everybody here May go home with you when you leave this place. May we experience fellowship with you every day while we're waiting for your return, and may we experience the joy of our Lord morning by morning, day by day, and discover that heaven does begin here. For Jesus' sake, amen.